Welcome to the I Am Healing Strong podcast. I'm Jim Mann, along with... Allie Powell. You know you can say my name. You don't have to... No. You, when you I can say, say it, it. You yelled at me because one time I said it, you go, Hey, I can say my own name. <laughs> like well, apparently I felt that way that day. But today, I feel like you can say my own name. <laughs> I've been in counseling ever since then. <laughs> I'm sorry, Jim. I'm, I'm very fragile. You know that. I didn't that. mean to yell at you. <sighs> okay. We're okay now. You are fragile, though. Today, we're talking to somebody who is not fragile. She is a fighter, and uh, I will butcher her name, so I'm just going to call her Ivy. Really? That's what she told me to call her Ivy, because she knows I'm butchering her name. But she is a doctor, and she's also a nurse practitioner. She's a professor. Hold on. How do you become a doctor and a nurse practitioner? I don't know. I don't know how you do that. Did you ask her? I know. Because I thought everyone knew. But she also translates, uh, she's, she speaks Spanish, obviously, because she has a very heavy accent, so you can tell that right away. But she translates uh, some of the group leader material for Healing Strong, so that's pretty cool. I wish I knew two languages. I wish you knew one. I know, I'm having trouble with my English lately. <laughs> I was hoping you would help me. But she's got a, she's got a rare cancer, an incurable cancer, ocular cancer, stage four. Yeah, so she, she's doing a lot of research herself, which is great when you're a doctor. But you can tell she's she has trouble breathing. She gets squinted easily. So I tried to keep this relatively short, but she is so sweet. Let's hear what she had to say. All right, it is my honor to sit and talk with Ivy Valenzuela. Valenzuela, uh, yeah. It's good to meet you. Thank you, same here. So you are a doctor. What type of doctor are you? Well, so... This is a long story. I am from El Salvador. In El Salvador, I <coughs> work, um, I graduate a, a physician in specialty family medicine. Then I came to the United States. And, oh my God, it was a long, it's a long story, but I became a single mother. So I couldn't um, do my boards to work as a physician here. So I started working and studying at the same time. So uh, I did a bachelor in nursing, a master's in public health, a master in family medicine, and a PhD in public health. Okay. Mm-hmm. That was a pretty short story. <laughs> yeah, because it is really too emotional to say okay. the entire story. Yeah. You work with uh, Healing Strong in uh, translating some of the materials, is that correct? Yes. So... Um, I was, I joined one of Chris's work, Square Ones, and they mentioned Healing Strong, and I contacted them, and I asked if I could do it in Spanish, and Susie was, is so amazing. The, um, we started working on it, and I helped with the interpretation, and I still, I, I am a leader for uh, one of the Spanish speaking groups in the United States. Wow. I wonder why they didn't ask me to translate it. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe you need to speak Spanish, right? (laughs) Now, Susie told me you're lovely and brilliant. Is that true? Oh, I don't know. (laughs) But thank you. She's a wonderful woman. Yes, she is. Now, you used to be a a professor. What, What were you teaching? So I was the, I was a professor of nursing at Josh Mason University in Virginia. And I was teaching undergrad students and graduate students in nursing, like 
different kind of classes and clinical practicums and all kinds of stuff. Right. Okay. Yeah. All that's way above my head. I couldn't, I, oh, I couldn't, I used to be a children's pastor and I had trouble teaching them because they're, they're over my head. Oh my God. <laughs> it's, 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 teaching is beautiful, but it's very hard. It's very yes. hard. My wife is the teacher. I let her do that. She's good at it. Yeah. <laughs> I just stand there and get the kids in trouble. That's what I do. <laughs> you have fun with them. Yeah. I entertain. That's what I say. I entertain them. That's good, and too. Then, and then she puts you know, back into control. <laughs> now, you have an ongoing story about cancer. How how did that start? Well, you know, um, I was diagnosed with adenoid carcinoma, which is a hmm. kind of head and neck cancer. Mine was located in the right lacrimal gland, which is the gland that is above the eye, the one that produced tears. Mm. Um, about, yeah, almost six years ago. Um, when I was diagnosed, first of all, um, I was told that it was most likely a benign tumor. So I went into surgery and when I woke up like five hours later, <laughs> I found out that it was not benign and the tumor was removed. And I went into panic because I didn't know what was going to happen. And I was worried that the tumor was already being touched without me knowing what kind of tumor it was. Um, so when I got the diagnosis, I was also told that there was, it's a rare kind of cancer, as most of the new cancers that you will see now, and there was no any standard of care for it. <laughs> but... My doctor, my surgeon, started looking for people that was doing research on my kind of tumors. And he gave me a very beautiful advice, or valuable advice, both. Ivy, when you go to see these doctors, and I am a physician. I love medicine, so I don't want to talk bad about anyone. But the, 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 the advice that he gave me has helped me a lot because he told me, uh, many of them are going to see you as a subject, so you need to do your own research and be an advocate, and advocate for yourself. Right. And that has been one of the more em empowering advices that somebody has given me, because I come from a country when we obey what authorities tell us, and we believe in the person that has been trained that is doing the best. But when somebody starts telling you, um, sometimes it's about research, and, and I had a PhD already, but mine was in public health, helping people, doing the best for what people, what we thought that is for people good and what the people ask for help. It was totally different. So I, I was not familiar with me being a subject just for a research without being maybe the best interest for me. Mm. So... <clears throat> He told me that I went to see the doctor and I was told that I was going to die anyways because this is not a curable disease and I was going just to die. So wow. I remember that. And the doctor told me that in Miami, I, I was living in Virginia, but then now I live in Maryland. And he said that in front of my 13-year-old daughter and my husband. And at the moment, I had no evidence of disease in my entire body. So I remember that I asked my husband to take me to our church because we all were in shock. And one thing that my parents had taught me is, when you know, we don't know what to do, just pray. 
<laughs> just pray. So I didn't know what to do. So I went to the church. I kneeled in front of the altar, and I asked God for help. Um, I was praying and crying. All of us were praying and crying. And after the prayer, I um, stood up, and I told them, I have no evidence of this is right now. Let's go to the beach and enjoy the day. <laughs> that prayer made me feel so strong and gave me so much peace. On our way to the beach, um, I checked Facebook. And before I went to my appointment, I put on the Facebook page of this type of cancer, thank you for this page. No, nothing else. A lady from Austria sent me a private message telling me, God asked me to contact you. I have been dealing with this disease for seven years so I can help you. I was like, I was without words because God had answered my prayer even before I asked for it. And she started to guide me. And this was the first time that somebody introduced me uh, to alternative medicine. And that's why I was able to to open my mind to what Chris' work needed to say and to join Healing Strong. Since then, um, I have been trying to look for the cause of my cancer and most cancers. Um, it has been a roller coaster because in my case, it has always been stress and unhealed traumas from childhood. So every time that I was exposed to a lot of work and stress is when I developed metastasis. And mm. the most important part is like I never felt anything because I had childhood traumas. I was not able to feel my body and to um, fulfill my body's needs. So my body kept doing what he knew or she knew what to do, manifesting in different ways if I didn't pay attention or I didn't take care of it. So um, I have been um, medical leave for almost 16 months now. And thanks to God and these all alternative methods that I have been using, I was able to slow down the growth of the cancer again. It grew like five centimeters in five months, many mm -hmm. nodules in my lungs because of the stress. Now it became again to like one millimeter a month. And I am trying still to heal my emotions and my mind um, to make my body strong so I, I am able to somehow heal my body. And that, that is where I am right now. Wow. That's quite a journey there. And and do you like feel at peace, like a peace that can obviously only come from God during this time, like he's in control or is it, uh, you know, how do you feel about it right now? You know, um, that's, a, that's a very important question. And, and a lot of people tell me I admire you because you're in peace. And I give you the answer is it's God. You see, when somebody that has studied so much medicine or science like me get this diagnosis and prognosis, um, you can go nuts. But for me, I just pray a lot and meditate my prayer, and I get so much peace and joy. And I am alive, and I don't know exactly what is going to happen 
in two minutes, one hour. <laughs> but right now, I feel well. And thanks to God, I have been learning how to be patient and to live the present. Right. And you know that God looks at Facebook. So that's kind of cool. <laughs> it, was, it was so amazing. It was so amazing how my prayer was answered before I, I pray. It's like he knows what's going on, right? <laughs> yes, yes. So what is your like protocol? I mean, as far as like, what you do every day, it, do you just do juicing or just eat raw vegetables? Or that, that's, that's another, thank you for asking that. So every day is, um, I follow um, metabolic protocol <laughs> and that is from care oncology, which basically is using off-label drugs to stop the pathways, the feeding pathways of cancer. I use also um, low-dose naltrexan, um, which also help like uh, sort of immunotherapy. I use misotol, misotol injections. Uh-huh. And let me see, like supplements, like I know that my magnesium is low, my vitamin D is low, so I try to supplement those. And I do a plant-based diet. My 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 nutrition is almost a hundred percent plants. Plants, like um, I eat wild caught salmon maybe twice a month, organic omega three eggs maybe every other weekend, and mm-hmm. then I just try to eat um, plenty of vegetables, two or three or four fruits. If I am if I am craving sugar, I have an extra fruit. And, yeah. <laughs> and I try to do smoothies with uh, like flax seed and chia seeds, pea protein, and that's what I do. And I try to do mindful activities. I do qigong, yoga. And when I feel the anxiety is kicking in, I if nothing work. I start walking barefoot outside, and that helps me as well. So I do different things. Yeah, man. That's the part that overwhelms me because, you know, I'm far from being a doctor myself. So there's a lot of stuff I don't understand. I'm very, um, you know, when the Bible talks about being childlike, I, you know, I nail it pretty good. I've read Chris Wark's book, you know, um, Crispy Cancer, and I got like two thirds of the way through. And then my mind was just so full of stuff that I didn't understand, but I took the stuff I do understand and just kind of OD'd on like plants and and I made that salad that he talks about mm-hmm. and I've really gotten used to the food. It's it's a it's really great. But uh, my simple mind says you just OD on anything that has cancer killing properties and you're doing good. You know, and, and, and at the end of the day, that's what I am doing as well because honestly, um, the amount of information that sometimes is conflictive is. It's, it's, it's like too much for any brain. It is too much for any brain. And I um, that's, I have tried to make everything simple uh, because um, I, I have been reading like almost like 20 books. Like mm. as you say, it's maybe one chapter, one page, something specific for that. And that's the only thing that like... Um, Honestly, like what you say, at the end of the day, I'm just trying to stick into few stuff and to do research about them. Like I look for research articles that keep telling me things 
Oh my god, sorry, my my dogs. Oh, <laughs> okay. Okay, they're out. Sorry. That's all right. So that that is what uh, at the end of the day, what I have been, been just doing, just focusing in, in a specific step and try to have discipline for it. Because you know, one thing that I have learned as a old, as a nurse, as a physician, as a nurse practitioner is like when we put so many things to a patient, the patient is not going to be compliant. Mostly the patient cannot understand. So the same thing for me as a patient. So I try to collect information, even that I was doing that today, and and try to see if I'm sticking to the plan, if it is making me feel better and what it's doing. So for me, the, the, when the cancer grew, like five tumors from one centimeter to five centimeters in five months, and I started the protocols, I was able to be the impact of the protocols in like in two months because everything stopped growing. Wow. So, but at the same time, I was praying a lot and I was meditating a lot because in October of 20, or the 20th, I couldn't breathe, I couldn't eat, I couldn't walk and because of the tumors, one tumor was collapsing my lung. So I was able to do it. Thanks to God, that tumor that was collapsing part of my lung decreased 40% without any conventional treatment. Wow. And it's still staying like that. So that's why you, you can hear sometimes I'm going to be shortness, having shortness of breath, but I'm able to talk better. I'm able to go up the stairs. So I have seen how it is helping me. Yes. Does that wear you out when you have to talk too much? Um. It depends on the day sometimes, and it, it. But I don't know. Um, if I talk more than an hour, yes, I'm going to start having shortness of breath. Wow. Yeah. So you're pretty much living day by day and trusting God, right? Amen. And honestly, it's it's something that my family have learned with me. Uh-huh. That's what everyone should do, anyways. Yes. And I remember that when I was told that there was no treatment. Um, my my husband told me we are walking um, with uh, like God is holding our way, and and then we realized. But it has been like that every like always. That thing is like we never realize that our lives depend so much on God. We never realize until we hit this situation when I realized that no education could have prepared me for this, mm-hmm. and. I see my scans and I know that I am alive and talking because God wants me to be and because he has been paving the way for me to learn. Without God, I know that we're not going to be alive because depression were uh, going to be killing me if it is not cancer. And the symptoms I was having were so terrible that anyone can decline and die very fast. Yeah. Well, yeah, I've always said that you know, I, I don't know whether you know, but I had uh, I was diagnosed with stage four melanoma, and they gave me a month or two to live. Whoa! Now six years ago. Yay! Kind of like around the same time you were, I guess. Yep. So yeah, I'm I'm doing great. I'm I'm watching what I eat and I'm trying to exercise and doing all the right stuff and cutting sugar out and a bunch of other things like that. But when you get cancer, you know. Of course, it scares you to death because you think this is it. It's over. You don't know how long you're going to live. And in my case, I've supposed been gone in a month or two. But it's pretty much everybody can die that day. 
Yeah, they can be totally healthy and either be hit by a truck or exactly. the heart just stop. I mean, I know several people that their heart just stopped in the middle of the night. Yeah. Cancer just pretty much makes everything more vivid, makes you realize, wow, I don't have tomorrow or maybe even tonight. So it just makes you do things more intentionally and be more purposeful with what you do and spend more time with your friends and your family and, and not waste so much time, which I was very good at wasting time. <laughs> You know, what, what you're saying, I, I totally agree. Like, for me, it is like a blessing because um, I am able to appreciate so many things that I didn't appreciate before. I always said that patience was not in my vocabulary. And, learn, and I learned to be patient. And I learned to appreciate every single moment. And as you say, I have seen... Unfortunately, because of this pandemic and the stress I have have, since I was diagnosed until now, maybe 20 people that I know and love have died of other conditions. So, so for us, it's like we knew that we know we know that we are not immortal anymore. That's right. Yeah, it's definitely the blessing side of it. Is the way I see it. I got it when I was 59, I guess 54. 58. I don't even, I don't even figure that out, but I'm in my mid sixties now. And it's, it's almost, I, it's almost like I wish I'd gotten it younger. So I'd be more, <laughs> you know, diligent with what I'm doing, but, but, you know, I really don't, didn't want it then. And I don't wish that on anybody. <laughs> I mean, we all should realize, Hey, I don't have tomorrow, no matter what. Yes. And, and that's part of the message that I tell to mostly everyone that I see, like the moment is now and, it is not me being dramatic, it's the life. Like, we need to appreciate today, love ourselves today, forgive everyone. Like, today, forgive ourselves today, try to improve our life today, not when we are sick or when we are dying or when we are told that we are about to die. Yeah. Because then it's a lot of work. Oh, yeah. So, of course, you don't know... What's happening from here, of course, but what what are you planning to do if, you know, if God allows you to stay here for another 30 years? Oh, man, um, this was something that I spoke to God about it <laughs> six years ago. I will just try to help, keep trying to help people uh, mm-hmm. to prevent this disease and to manage it because... Uh, what I have seen a lot is that many times what really kills people is the stress and depression that they get into with a diagnosis mm. and the lack of information about the importance of emotional health, mental health, good nutrition and exercise. It's something so basic, but that can help us to prevent pretty much any disease that if God give me my voice, my airbag, to be able to talk more, that is the message that will keep spreading. There are so many things that we can do that are so easy to do, and the only thing that we need is knowledge and that desire to do it. Yes. That easy. But wow. if we don't have knowledge, it's, it's, it's very hard. And I'm telling you because my PhD in public health was on health education, and educating people can be one of the hardest things to do because we need to use the language that people can understand. Right. And we, can, we need to understand their situations for them to see the value of the change. 
So <laughs> it is complex to educate, but it is beautiful once we are able to deliver the message and people are able to understand and promote promote that change in their lives. Right. Wow. Well, Ivy, it's been a pleasure talking to you. I, I know we had some difficulties at the <laughs> beginning with technology, but we we persevered. And uh, I know lots of people will be blessed by what you have uh, told us. So thank you so much. Thank you very much for your time. Well, I'll say this about her. She knows a thing or two, maybe a, a thing or two more than you, Jim. Most people do. She's super sweet. That's one thing about her. And uh, love her accent. Sometimes I can't quite get what she's saying because it's such a strong accent, but it just, I can just sit there and listen to it forever. Like her name? You couldn't actually get her name? I know, it's such a simple thing to some people, but I just, I trip whenever I step out of English. It's just terrible. Well. Where were you? Well, that's true. I can't say anything. You could have helped me. That's true. I can't say a word. I have to give it to you. That was well done, and she was definitely um, a sweetheart, but us. But gosh, I mean, can you imagine ocular? I didn't even know ocular cancer was a thing. Yeah, it is. Cancer is not kind. Cancer's not uh, cool. No. But as you can tell, she's a fighter, and uh, I believe she's going to overcome this. Hey, that's the theme. That's the theme. Seems to be a theme of our podcast. It's like we're healing strong. You've been listening to the I Am Healing Strong podcast. Every week we bring you stories of hope from people who are facing life-altering challenges and finding out that God has a plan for your life no matter what you're facing. It's all a part of a Healing Strong organization. To find out more about Healing Strong, go to their website at healingstrong.org.